Friday morning shows. Present 590 fan Justin Cuthbert, Ailish, Fourth Hour. We are back live at Rattlesnake Point Golf Club here in Milton for the 28th annual Jays Care Golf Classic. Four hour show today. You thought you were done with us? Nope. We no, back. sir. We back for another hour here. We have had a great chat with Ernie Witt, who just came by. Um, Went through some of the Canadian Baseball World Classic here. Um, we talked about his time with the Blue Jays. We we're just waiting on Ricky Romero, who's probably getting a nice breakfast in there. We can see some of the folks settling in. Um, Ricky yeah, will join us. In yeah, a bit. I did a little coffee run there. Mm, Walked past some notable delicious. names. Cito Gaston's oh, there. Just go grab Cito. JP Aaron <laughs> Sebia's there. Dustin McGowan, a personal favorite of mine wow. from back in the day, looking pretty killing. jacked. I think he's just There's been lifting weights. There's a lot of folks here. Uh, Ricky. Ricky Romero has now Ricky, arrived. come on in. How are you, buddy? We'll get you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Put this on your head when you hit down. Here you go. Ricky's coming in. Uh, as you put your headset on, we'll tee up. We got Ricky Romero joining us. We've talked to almost your entire family in the last <laughs> four days. We got your wife on the other day. Now we got you on. We need the kids. Do they got a broadcast career in their future? Uh I think they would uh, probably break, break the radio if we had them on. <laughs> we just love the, the Romero family, so we appreciate you coming on. It's good to see you. I think you've probably done this a few times. Yeah, I have. Yeah, you look it, like it, you it, can golf. <laughs> uh, we're going to see. I brought my golf clubs. I've been out here for a month, yeah. and this is the first time I'm playing, and oh, I'm leaving oh, tomorrow. Wow. So, oh, leave so it I all really, out on the course You know, then. three kids, it just, <laughs> you, you really don't have the time to do that, but you know, anytime you're a part of the Jays Care Foundation, mm -hmm. it's always awesome. And, and the fact that they, they create this, this beautiful event and they bring a bunch of the alumni mm -hmm. back, it's always a good time. Uh, while we're on the topic of your family loosely, I guess, uh, I got to ask about what the viewing experience is when your wife is watching the <laughs> Canadian women's national team. Uh, just started the World Cup, of course. Uh, they had their opener, a bit of a frustrating one. We chatted with her on Friday uh, about it. Uh, is she like super intense or is she like well, biting her nails? What's <laughs> what's the vibe when she's watching it, that team? It was funny because the first, the we, we, we kind of, 10.30 is pretty late for us, right? I mean, with kids and everything. Mm -hmm. So we were just going to watch the first half and we ended up watching the whole game. Yeah. And you can just tell the, it's almost like when she's watching me pl uh, uh, watch baseball. Mm -hmm. She's just jumping out of the bed. She's like, take the shot, take the shot, take the shot. <laughs> there was a few opportunities where she felt like that they could have taken some shots out on goal, and they didn't, and she was jumping out of bed. It was just uh, – it's kind of fun because I feel like she always sees me kind of act like that, mm -hmm. and I got to see her act like that. And obviously she has love and, and passion for, for the country of Canada and her being able to represent that, that Canadian team. And – as humble as she is, I always tell her, I mean, you're, you're one of the pioneers. You're yeah. one of the ones that kind of set this up for, for these girls. And she's had a, a couple girls in the past DM her saying, you know, we were watching oh, you, sweet. you know. So it, it's pretty cool when she gets like when, when she gets those messages again. She doesn't like talking about herself or anything. <laughs> we tried. Like <laughs> you she's, tried, right? She's like, oh, I was good. I'm like, you were in two World Cups. <laughs> you played with Christine Sinclair. She liked talking about her former teammates. So, she did. I mean, yeah, she it, does. It's, it's, you know, we're talking about six World Cups, six World Cups ago. I think she played five World Cups ago as well, but still having a teammate in Christine Sinclair, maybe a couple teammates still. It is wild that Christine Sinclair, obviously still playing a former teammate of hers, not to age anyone no, here, no, of course, no, no. but like still <laughs> some really strong connections to the team. So I'm sure it is pretty uh, emotional. Oh, watching. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. And, and when you watch what Christine is doing, it's it's crazy. She's 40 years old and I'm almost 40 and, and I can barely get out of bed, <laughs> you know, and so, so can she. So it's one of those things where, again, I mean, I think she's the she is 
Canadian mm-hmm. soccer. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, she she really is the face of it, and what she's been able to accomplish has been awesome. I've had a few encounters with her and, and talking to her, and I mean, it's, they're, they're just built differently, right? I mean, there's just there's the ones that make it, and then there's the other ones that just kind of separate from the ones mm-hmm. that make it, and and that's her. And um, what what an awesome. Uh, uh, player to have and, and you just see it in the interviews right I mean you see it with the girls and how much they want to win for her and it just I think it speaks volumes of who she is as a person and as a teammate so when you got so you got young kids um, and they're in sports what kind of parents are you in terms of uh, sports parents because uh, I think there's a wide range like my parents are kind of the silent ones the, the car ride home you know you kind of mm, could have done better I feel like you guys would be very enthusiastic fun parents to watch uh, watching their kids well this was my first year coaching at a pretty intense level 70 year old level but i mean it 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 was the first year where there was outs there Mm -hmm. was uh three outs there was strikeouts so i coached my oldest and i didn't think i was going to be as intense as i was (laughs) came out and my son at times would remind me um, when we would we, mess up a play or something Mm -hmm. he'd always be like dad why why are you so mad (laughs) it's just a game and i'm like Golly, yeah, you got me. So it, it was one of those things where my, my biggest focus was I wanted to focus on fundamentals. We're mm-hmm. going to be the most fundamentally sound team in the league. We're going to make outs. We're going to create outs, and we're going to get it done somehow. And we worked on it, and, and to see the, the young kids kind of excel mm-hmm. in that part of the game was was awesome for me to watch. Cars bore on the it's okay, like positive. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm positive too, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I can get intense. And we'll see, though, because this is the first year where both of them, both our oldest boys are going to mm-hmm. play soccer. Oh and I told her, oh, I'm hands that. off right yeah. there. Like, you, you, you got <laughs> this part you gotta have some patience too i mean we're talking about seven-year-olds and and the number one priority is fundamentals i'm sure you're gonna have to showcase some patience as well i'm sure the other managers are like great i'm i'm managing against ricky romero right now like that's (laughs) that's not exactly ideal well the the funny part is that i i read so i got a kind of a blueprint from a guy i played with in college and he said you have to have detailed uh practices so i would write everything out so that when we had an hour to practice and I was like, okay, I got to get as much as I can done in an hour. So I would run stations and coaches were coming up to me and they're like, how the heck are you running stations with seven year olds? And I'm like, well, if you set out a plan and you put it in front of them, they're going to do it. And sure enough, like we were pretty fundamentally sound by the end of the year. Okay. So what's the fundamentals that on the golf course today? Like you give us the preview <laughs> on how you're looking. I know you said you hadn't golfed yet, but Ooh. like it's got to be natural. A little swing in you. Yeah. You, you hope that you have that one, I guess, guy in your group yeah. that can that could be you that one <laughs> I, if i can drive it straight i'll be fine and if anybody can have a good short game then we'll be good but i i usually can hit it pretty pretty deep if i'm straight so that's that's I'm that's, sure, a, that's that's the problem with everyone that's right? what makes up a good scramble though like if you can you don't have to do it every time mm-hmm. if you know there's contributions across the mm-hmm. board if everyone has that one thing though that they can really excel at that's my if thing. you can hit a few straight down there put everyone in good position then yeah. then you'll have done your job because i feel sure. like if you birdie every hole it's still never enough to win. It never is enough. So the par fives, I think you have to eagle them, yeah. and then you just have to birdie every other hole. Do you know your group yet, or I don't. Oh, I anyone don't. you want? Uh, you scouting out in there? Who looks like they're in shape still? <laughs> yeah, who, who are you looking forward to seeing? I saw a couple uh, familiar names. Oh, I out mean, there. I, I I think when I mean it, it was cool to see like Homer Bush because. Mm. 
his son just got drafted. Yeah, How cool is that? Cool. And I was like, it kind of took me into the future of maybe one day seeing my kids. I well, told they already that. got fundamentals at, at seven years old. They're probably <laughs> They're already early, <laughs> early draft picks. Well, the four-year-old is following in the seven-year-old's footsteps. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. And I, and I mean, I think anytime you get a kid, your, your kid drafted and into pro ball after you've been through it, you kind of can show them the ropes. But to see George Bell, mm-hmm. Lloyd Mosby, um, and just Ernie Witt and Dustin McGowan, who I played with, uh, mm-hmm. Scotty Downs. Those guys, I mean, it's always awesome to see them. Uh, what, what's your connection with Jay's Carey? You can refresh our memory a little bit here, but we were talking uh, a, a little bit earlier about how, you know, players maybe present something to, to the team or, or the foundation. The foundation may present something to them. Of course, you're coming back uh, and playing in this tournament, but your experience with Jay's Care, how meaningful it was for you to be involved when you were involved in your time with the Blue Jays, what this organization means to the actual organization the Toronto Blue Jays themselves just your experience with Jay's care and and uh you know coming back to the event and still being part of it now yeah no the Jay's care foundation means a lot to me and, and I think from day one that I put on a Blue Jay uniform you kind of hear the the what they do and everything they're about and I think I always wanted to stay involved I I, I did from day one I remember coming up to to the people that work for the Jay's care foundation and I said hey whatever you guys need from me I'm willing to do I'm I'm I'm, I'm all about uh going out there talking to kids uh, kids learning from me and and talking about my experiences as a big leaguer or whether it was you know visiting hospitals and stuff like that all that all that stuff uh, wrapped up in one is is always awesome to me because I was that kid sitting at Dodger Stadium in the stands Mm -hmm. wondering what it would be like to be a big leaguer and what kind of impact I could make if I was a big leaguer well once I was in those shoes I was ready to make that impact and even even now as a retired athlete like I said they put these events together and I get to come to to Toronto and and <clears throat> I have a house here and whatever it is that they ask me to do whenever there's time obviously I do it and it, it's always a, a pretty meaningful uh, event this golf tournament and just a min- meaningful foundation I feel like even when I uh, when I was playing here and I signed my contract I donated some of the money uh, to the Jay's Care Foundation so um, they've they've always had a uh, Clo- uh, think close to my heart, so it's pretty awesome. We're talking to Ricky Romero, uh, former Blue Jay, of course. So uh, last time we chatted with you, I think it was about two or three weeks ago, Alec Manoa was making his return to the Blue Jays after uh, a stint in the in the minor leagues there for a little bit in the FCL, but um, he pitched again yesterday, and I think we can see some positive steps forward. Uh, where are you at with just the, I mean, the trials and tribulations and the challenges that he's had to go through and maybe looking like he might find uh, some level ground here? Yeah, I, I think last night when, or yesterday afternoon, when you see his outing, <clears throat> you see you saw the sharp slider they were accustomed to seeing, and and I think that's all because of of the fastball control command. Mm-hmm. When you're able to have that fastball command, and you could just see it in his delivery. I know I tweeted about it. It, it what I mean when I say he stays in his lane. It's when he's able to drive down towards the plate instead of falling off a little bit too much. And and I think. The ball, when, when he falls a little bit too much, the ball comes out of his hand and the hitter doesn't even like budge at it mm-hmm. because he knows it's a ball. And when he stays in line, you can just tell he's got good movement on that two-seamer. And um, and I thought his slider looked the best it's looked all season. And I, again, it's going to be a work in progress. It's not an easy to, thing to overcome mm-hmm. because it's, I feel like it's more mental than it is physical at this point. And, but you can tell when he lets it go, his 93-94 looks hard to hit. And good for him, again. Yesterday, he gave up a two-run home run, didn't let it snowball, yeah. so that was a positive. And when he's able to do that, um, and if he's able to 
do that going forward and keep the team in the game, then they're going to they're gonna win more often than not. And you can just see a little bit of the confidence. He's talking to himself a little bit more. And, and he I think he realizes what he needs to do on the mound. He makes a quick adjustment. And, yeah, I mean, I told him, I keep telling him, just focus on the positives, no mm-hmm. negatives, man. Because if you start focusing on the negative and you, you think that there's no light at the end of the tunnel, then you're going to be in trouble. Did you see him go the opposite way a little bit in his first start back where, you know, there were few judgment calls from the umpire where he looked like he was going to get the the punch out didn't get it seemed to affect him they looked at it on the ipad i guess i'm just assuming they looked at it on on the ipad but he looked a little frustrated maybe that affected him a little uh, in a little bit you say you focus on the positives maybe some negatives were leaking in and maybe we saw that affect his performance right like uh, i think one of the things with him is you mentioned that it's so important that is mental but part of it i think is also every fifth day from him just like getting the momentum pushing forward but focusing as you mentioned on the positive you see him get away from that a little bit in the Padres game the other week yeah I mean uh, yeah and <laughs> the Padres are pretty good lineup too they are I, I feel like when you I, I went to a game and just sitting there watching that lineup one through nine you're like how's this team not in I first know, place right, right? It, it's crazy and it, it's one of those things where maybe that bad call to Juan Soto maybe mm-hmm. kind of snowballed for mm-hmm. him right there but there's going to be bad calls and I think the, the the key for him is to be able to overcome those bad calls if he doesn't get the strike call Hey, just move on to the next pitch, make a better pitch, and you got to be careful with certain guys. Juan Soto is somebody that's out of this world when it comes to hitting, so um, you definitely don't want to pitch out over the middle of the plate. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, hopefully more ups and downs. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he's going to continue to learn more about himself. Again, we saw last year what he was able to do, and I told him, you you can't be that guy. You can't continue to look back and say, I got to get to this point. I got to get to. No, you just, your, your main focus is to to uh, give the team a chance to win. And if you do that, if you focus on positives, then you're going to be just all right. So it looks like Hanjin Ryu is going to be joining the Blue Jays uh, in the next week, let's just say. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what day they might put him in, but he's upon the etern- a return here. Um, challenges of a six man rotation. Seems like the Blue Jays might go uh, that route. Um, obviously, uh, Manoa and Ryu kind of in, in flux right now. Um, what that would mean to a rotation is they have, I think, I believe it's like 17 days in a row without a day off. So maybe a good time for that to come up before the end of August. But those decisions need to be made with the idea that the trade deadline is a week and a day away. And you kind of need to figure out if these are your starting pitchers that are going to make it for the long haul. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where I'm kind of like stuck in the mm-hmm. middle because I see if you go to a six-man rotation, are we trying to do it because you're trying to limit guys' innings mm-hmm. or is it because you really can't send anybody down, you're right? Trying I mean, to satisfy everybody? <laughs> everyone's a staple in that rotation. And um, and so it's one of those things where I, I, every, I'm curious to see what they do if they, they go five-man and then maybe stick – one of those guys in the bullpen which i don't see them doing so i think that yeah obviously the obvious thing is for them to go six-man rotation but at the same time you know starters are a creature of habit Mm -hmm. and and you you get you prepare in the big leagues to go every fifth day so i feel like whether it throws some of them off or not who knows remains to be seen but i'd be curious to see how it works out for them stuck in the bullpen uh i mean guys would uh you know Different guys would approach that in different ways. But if a starter is asked to go to the bullpen, like is that 
Like you're shaking your head already. Like that's uh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's not a happy it, conversation. It must be. No. It's, it's a point of pride thing, but it's also your part of your identity. But like, how difficult would it be to deal with that? If you're you say Kikuchi, we one guy that people are talking about maybe would have to deal that deal with that. You see him Friday night. He's mm-hmm. angry that he's like surprised, but angry that he's getting pulled he's when he's getting well. pulled. He's he's pitching to try and stay in a rotation. Getting that demotion, similar that he did last year, and it's not it shouldn't be looked at as a pure demotion. But it's hard to look at it like anything else if you are a starting pitcher oh, that's yeah. being moved to the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's not an easy thing. Those those guys are crazy down in the bullpen. It's a different <laughs> beast itself. Like honestly, I had to do it towards the end of my career, and to me, it's just I can't get my heart jumping like your name is called and then mm. boom, you got to get up and you got to warm up. You got 10 pitches. Hey, you're ready in two. Hey, you're ready in one. All right, <laughs> we're calling down. You're ready. And it's just, to me, it's it's different, right? Like I said, we're creatures of habit. We we can, we got to take our time. We, we kind of have our routine. So when you're moving to the bullpen, it's a completely mm. different world. Like I said, those guys are, are special what they do down there. And, um, and Kikuchi, I, I mean, I don't see him going to the bullpen i feel like he's earned mm-hmm. the right to stay in the rotation and he's he you, you want to see him get angry right i mm-hmm. mean last year we were waiting for that spark out of him we were waiting for him to be like oh man like we want we see the stuff like can we see a little bit more you know uh emotion out of him and you're seeing it this season with him so it'll it'll be like i said it'll be interesting what the toronto blue jays do but i, I think it's a good problem to have the fact That's that true. we use back and and he's pitching well in the minors i think it's going to be it's going to be a good thing for the Toronto Blue Jays. And they always say things will tend to work themselves out. So I hope that's not an injury, or I hope that that just they figure it out, and we don't have to make any. Uh, we well, don't have to make the difficult calls ourselves. Uh, talking <laughs> to Ricky Romero, of course, former MLB pitcher and All Star. So the trade deadline, uh, as a player, whether you're on the trade block or not, uh, whether you're joining a new team or you're adding new faces, what's this time like? Because obviously they're aware that they're in a, a particular place where they should be adding. They have. Um, World Series aspirations, whether this is the window this year, next year, or whatsoever they, they want to add. So what's it like in that clubhouse around that feeling? A bit uncomfortable at times or exciting? Well, Elish, <laughs> five years here, we never really were yeah. in the mix to make big big mm-hmm. moves like that. But I know for a fact, talking to the guys that were part of that 2015 team when they made all those trade acquisitions, how it ignited the clubhouse, ignited the city, and you can just see that they were going for it. Yeah. And and I don't know if we're going to see something similar to that. The the thing that I that I keep saying is obviously you want to continue to build on pitching. Pitching, pitching, pitching. Um I don't know if they need another starter. I think the bullpen can can always use some help down there, but my biggest question in this thing is like do the Toronto Blue Jays have the assets to be able to bring somebody big? Yep. You know, and that and that that's a question that remains to be seen because when you look at when Manoa went down, they were stuck on four starters mm-hmm. for a while because mm-hmm. nobody was ready from AAA. So to me, I'm like, all right, if you're going to go out and get a big name, who are you going to give up? Is the opposite true? Because there's expectation now, If, as Ailish uh, alluded to. Uh, there's, you know, we n- not necessarily that we need help, but we're a team that's envisions itself as a playoff team. We want to try and win a World Series. That's what we've been talking about since the start of the year. There's an expectation to go out and get something. But when you were in your position, and you mentioned, you know, we were in, ever in that area where it's like we need to buy because we need to get put over the top. Is it disheartening even then when you mm. do have sort of the real realistic expectations of yourself and your team? But to see the trade deadline pass, you guys not really do much. Maybe you take a part. Uh, maybe a piece goes the other way. What does that do for a clubhouse when it's 
when you when the opposite happens. Yeah. When it's like, oh man, we just you know we're a little worse Look in today. The mid, <laughs> and, yeah. And there was an expectations, but now they basically told us there's mm. no expectations. Like, does that do something negative for the clubhouse over the last couple of months of the season? I, I think there was one year, and I remember uh, we were in Seattle actually, and I think we were kind of in the mix for for the playoffs. I can't remember if it was 2010 or 11, mm-hmm. and not not in the mix, but we were kind of maybe on the outside looking in with a chance and we didn't make a move and I remember walking in that clubhouse everyone was kind of waiting 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 and when it didn't happen you can just tell the, the clubhouse was a little bit deflated mm-hmm. and you're like okay well then I guess we're not really going for it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know so you you kind of you continue to be the professional that you are and you continue to go about your business and 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 go out there and win as many games as you can but you kind of saw the the that it just wasn't going to happen so um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I feel like it can ignite a clubhouse, but it can also deflate a clubhouse if, if nobody's really brought in. You talk about Seattle. We just saw the Blue Jays there, obviously, for uh, three games. What an incredible atmosphere. That ballpark, the fans, like, it's most, it was mostly Blue Jays fans. Uh, was that one of your favorite places to play, favorite road ball, ballpark? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember Scott Downs, my rookie year, we got into the clubhouse, we got dressed, and he goes, before I even walked out of the tunnel in Seattle, he goes, he's like, wait, he's like, you're going to see the best thing you've ever seen on That's the road cool. here. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, you're going to walk out, and it's going to be packed, and it's going to be all Blue Jay fans. And I didn't believe him. So mm-hmm. when we walked out, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> they're all here for batting practice. Yeah. And every time you, you, you're you out running a ball down and you're catching it, they're cheering, and you're just like, this is mm-hmm. awesome. So it, it really is our home away from home and I think it hits you a little bit different right I mean I think it's one of those things where you realize being a Toronto Blue Jay is not just one city it's the whole country mm-hmm. and the fact that you're you go on the road and you can fill up a stadium like that I remember going up, up against uh, King Felix there one year and it was just the atmosphere was just amazing cool. it just felt like I was, it was a home game for me and and you got King Felix who's probably <laughs> gonna be a Hall of Famer uh going up against me and and, and it just it, it, it was a cool atmosphere uh, let's say there were big money on the line. Someone's offering you $10 million, but you got to choose someone in that, uh, I guess, cafeteria, breakfast area to get you a base hit, to get you a punch out. Someone needs to give you a contribution in a Major League Baseball game today. Who are you going with in that room there? Great question. You know why? I, I would go George Bell. You know why? Because okay. he's got the F mentality. Yeah. Always, till this day, he still has it. He still, he still can kick some butt, probably. (laughs) As old as he is, you can just tell. And when you when you talk to him about his days playing, and and I always give him crap about uh, Mo Vaughn putting him on his butt uh, in in a bra, and we were just laughing about it right now. But I just feel like he's always been so intense when you talk to him, and and I I would have loved to have watch him play back in the day and, and just how intense he was. I think I think I would go with George. There okay, well, maybe you guys will be on a foursome today. <laughs> and he's a good golfer, too. Oh, a really great golfer. Well, great golfer. Get in there and start recruiting him. <laughs> just say, hey, I wrote our names down together. We're, I can't we're believe you guys don't know your foursomes yet. It's kind of fun. Well, yeah. Just I, like a random Well, I think draw? Some, some do, but I kind of got here late. Yeah, I, you I had, had to rush I had, to I had to hit the gym <laughs> yeah. before I came out here. So get You're in all ready zone. to go. Uh, well, we appreciate you jumping on. It's always great to chat. And in person, thanks for always coming on our show, too. We really appreciate it.
um, head they're headed to the West Coast. Are you, you're headed back home soon. Back home soon? tomorrow. Yeah, it's been a month since we've been out nice. here. It's been awesome. My kids don't want to go home. I know but, they love it here. But we kind of have to go <laughs> back and enjoy the beach yeah, back home. No, so we'll got some that. drills to do. And you got some uh, West Coast games here over the next couple of days. So yeah, that's at least right. better for you. They're in time LA. Then. Yeah, yeah so I'll catch them over there. Awesome. Well, thanks, Ricky. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, and we'll chat maybe down the road uh, at end of the season. Sounds great. Awesome. Thank thanks you. so much. All right, that's Ricky Romero, former MLB pitcher and All Star, and as Justin and I laid out, we're at the 28th annual Golf Classic here, Jay's Cara Foundation, um, at Rattlesnake Point Golf Club in Milton. Beautiful day. The sun is shining. It was wet and wild <laughs> to start, and now it's looking like uh, things are gonna gonna clear up um, for the for the squad. I think over 200 golfers here, uh, a bunch of Blue Jays alumni. We've had a chance to chat to a couple of them. Uh, Ernie Witt uh, joined us earlier. You can catch that on the podcast if you missed it. Uh, we had Robert Witchell, who's the executive director of Jay's Care Foundation. That was earlier in the show as well. Talked a lot about about what Jay's Care is doing here. This is one of their marquee events of the summer, of course, but they do things all over the country, all the time, uh, with youth, with um, communities, and it's been really great to learn about it. Uh, and nice for us to get back on the show in the morning, and now it's getting warmer, it's getting sunny, we're going to golf in about 30 minutes, so we're feeling good. Yeah, we are not one of the 288 players in the tournament. Of course, we're going to be on the par three, but that's okay. We're going to enjoy our time on we'll the par three. We'll peek through the yeah. woods, though. I want to see Ricky hit it off the tee. He's like, he's looked like he could go out there and, and make some damage happen. Yeah, I mean, last time we were here, I can't remember because we did it last year as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were at a, a golf tournament, the Joe Carter Golf Tournament earlier, me and uh, Brent Gunning. And everything and started, I think, by the time we got off the air. I wouldn't mind hanging out in the first tee and seeing, uh, well, seeing a couple like, of these I'm pretty drives. sure our tee time is until like 1045. So okay. we can grab a little brekkie because it looks good in there. Like I'm smelling bacon, maybe female bacon. That's one thing that I never buy. But like you see it and you're like, oh, yeah, female bacon exists. Did you see female bacon? Because I wouldn't I get your hopes I can smell up. it. You, you, wait, you can differ. <laughs> you, hold on, hold on. This you can place differentiate is nice bacon based on if smell? If there's female bacon in there... I'll give uh, twenty bucks. Let's bet. Okay. No, how about ten? Me, you still owe me for ring around the. Well, you so. look at look at the score of the uh, Fanex Cup standings, and you tell me who owes who. Yet. I'm at fifteen thousand. Uh, this has been fun, though. We've got another guest uh, to wrap up our show this morning. Gord Stellick, former Maple Leafs GM, host of Leafs Nation, host of Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. If you missed it earlier in the show, uh, we laid out uh, the situation. With, um, Ilya Samsonov has been. Finalized one year, $3.55 million deal, uh, kind of in the middle between what the club and the player had gone for arbitration. So, you know, he's earned his bump up, but that's a UFA at the end of this season, along with a couple other Maple Leafs. And there's Eric Carlson rumors, um, reportedly has talked to the Leafs, the Hurricanes, the Penguins, and the Kraken. So it would be a tough ask. It would be a big money deal to try to get Eric Carlson on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but nonetheless, he has had a conversation with them. So let's see what our buddy Gord Stellick has to say about that to wrap up the show. And we will be doing a baby wake and rake. I know they kind of didn't do it for the last two weeks, but we're back in it. So you can send those at five ninety five ninety. You got Jays and Dodgers tonight. So maybe we'll just do a Blue Jays parlay because we're here at the Jays Care Golf Classic. You like that? All right. All right. It's already solidified. So send that in five ninety five ninety. Gord Stellick joins us after the break on the Fan Morning Show. Justin and Nailish, Sports at five ninety. The Fan. Unrivaled insight, analysis, and opinions on all things Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, final block of the Family Show. 
four-hour edition. Time flies when you're having fun, eh, Justin? We're back in the saddle, morning, with our days ahead of us. It's beautiful out. It really does. It really does. I love the mornings. I love Still it. love the mornings. I love I didn't it. fall out of love with the mornings. I love our listeners. They're back in the text line. They missed us. The grinders are up. And our buddy, to wrap it all up, Gord Stellick, former Maple Leafs GM, host of Leafs Nation, a host of Sirius XM, NHL Network, Radio. Gordo, what's going on, buddy? Ailish, Justin, uh, this time of year, I'm with you. Uh, love, love the mornings. I know the darkest days of winter. If you're going out and about, it could be a little bit different. But, yeah, great to get a great start in the morning and uh, great doing it listening to you guys. Uh, you're the best. Uh, we're at a golf tournament today. You big golf guy? Uh, so-so golf guy. Medium. Medium. Oh, medium probably medium means you're good, guy. eh? Medium yeah. means you're good. You're being modest. You're being humble. Oh, no, I'm not being humble. I, I like the social part, like about, you know, okay. you're able to connect with different people and catch up. So, um, yeah, so good day for that. I saw. I think I saw you out there in a photo with Kipper, maybe Gunner, yeah, like is, big hot shots. Uh, we we we're try, We don't want to play with Sam McKee because he's too good. But I feel like <laughs> Kipper's in that group too. Born probably in that group. Mm-hmm. Like as long as you can enjoy the social aspect of it, uh, while Kipper's going like one over, uh, <laughs> you know, you're a better man. Yeah. Behind. Well, uh, Justin, I was uh, okay. So I've been out with Kipper once, and then I filled in with that group. Like I, I was the call up from the Toronto Marlies uh, an hour before the game. To, uh, to play with Gunner and those guys and Justin Bourne and Sam McKee. I think it was Kipper that bailed. So anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll do the 11th hour thing. But yeah, yeah, it was, uh, those guys are pretty good. Yeah, I don't like when they throw around scores around me. I feel very <laughs> inferior. Anyway, Gord, uh, so decent news for the Maple Leafs. Maybe the best that we're going to get uh, for the rest of the summer with Ilya Samsonov being awarded in his arbitration case. It's Maybe a Leafs win because they bought themselves $100,000 from the median, if you want to put it that way. Was it all worth it with Samsonov? Do you wish they would have went a different route? What's your take on Ilya Samsonov uh, landing a a decent one-year deal with the Maple Leafs after arbitration? Yeah, I'm first a little surprised. I thought I thought they were you know close about getting a two-year deal done, but uh, uh, there is the, the 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 thinking that the second year. Finally, finally, the cap could go up and could go up by a considerable amount. So in a lot of ways, you know, betting on yourself, there's probably an opportunity. I mean, I'm sure the Leafs would have been happier, you know, say two years at just under four or something. But obviously, Samsonov uh, wants to, you know, get this opportunity and get more do-re-mi down the road. And, you know, they're, they're talking about arbitration has been avoided for so long, but I've never had a problem with it. Like, it's, hey, it's a business. That's like free agency. That's like a lot of things, the draft, whatever it may be. It's all part and parcel with the business, and same with salary arbitration. It's kind of a uh, – I, I don't like the hockey style. I prefer the baseball style where you pick one or the other because, like you alluded to, Justin, basically the arbitrator always seems to come, you know, somewhere somewhere close to the middle like he did in this case. So um, I, it shows how tight they are. You know, the fact that, you know, Matt Murray, that's still, that's still a big meatball out there contract-wise that they got to try to figure something out to do. But I, I'm cool with all these guys on one-year contracts. He'll be a UFA. I mean, if they did the second year, he could have bought a year of being a UFA as well. But uh, obviously, it would have been at a bigger price. So I, I like all these guys with one year to kind of prove themselves and see, what, see where they sit. And let's hope it's all positive. Yeah, how much about this um, when you're making a decision to go to arbitra- arbitration and then not actually having it follow through? Is uh, Samsonov had a one good year here with the Maple Leafs after on, like, a prove-it deal himself, but 
maybe it's it's more about earning the trust still like with the maple leafs like for a long-term deal like is it is it another earn earn your trust like let's see you in a full-time role with this with joseph wall as a backup in a tandem where there's a lot of confidence in joseph wall as well like what he's like found money at this point but um do you think that was part of brad trey living's thought process is like you still need to prove to me that we're worth the investment for two three years down the road yeah, absolutely, Eilish. And, I mean, you think about it, uh, this is a guy that was not tendered an offer a year ago, a first-round pick of the Washington Capitals, and they just did not want to risk going to arbitration, right? So, I mean, he wasn't tendered a contract. So that just showed that he wasn't developing the way the Capitals thought. I mean, they'd invested a lot in him. So he had one solid year. He took the ball, took the puck, and ran with it, by and large, with the Maple Leafs. So no question about it. The, you know, the, the one-year wonders you have to be a little bit careful about. So obviously this year... Hey, if he's the guy number one after, then, you know, we, we saw with what other goaltenders are getting, whether it's Ilya Sorokin or others, I mean, that kind of money. I mean, maybe that's what he could start looking at one year down the road. But, yeah, I, I, th- I think right now the jury's still out to a degree. Okay, so we know what we have, we think. Uh, Matt Murray, obviously, is still a part of this team uh, for the foreseeable future. We can get to him in a second. But if it is what we expect it to be, which is Ilya Samsonov and Joseph Wall handling the duties in net for the Maple Leafs, Next season, uh, where's your level of confidence, Gord? Strong, strong. I especially, especially like the second name that finally, and we've talked about it a few times, that they've never truly developed a number one goaltender from within since Felix Potvin. I mean, James Reimer was a guy that I always call him the accidental number one goaltender, and I say that with respect. You know, he was supposed to be the Justin Bogey era and whatever, and he just happened to be you know, the best available when called upon. So uh, I like it. I like it. Um, you know, and, and, and Matt Murray as well, he actually has played okay when he's healthy. But again, that, that we've kind of ridden that too long here in Ottawa about that to bank on it. So uh, I, I like the goaltending situation. Uh, if Joe Wall continues to – like, I mean, he was up in the NHL on merit this time. He'd had some injuries along the way early on. Quite often guys come up not on merit, but just, you know, on reputation that you want to give them a chance. I like what I saw. So I, I, I like the Maple Leafs goaltending heading into next season. Do you see it as like open competition? Uh, just you know, let's let's start training camp, see who's better than who, or do you expect this to be you know pr- pretty clear pecking order? Ilya Samsonov, I guess, not given any assurances that you're the guy and you're going to have a chance to play a lot uh, in your unrestricted free agent season. But uh, do you expect it to be sort of a clear delineation, or do you think this is kind of open competition? We'll see if Joseph Wall can uh, outperform Ilya Samsonov this year. Well, it's a funny one because training camp now is like an exhibition games almost don't matter. So I don't even know where the battle is. But I think, Justin, to your point, that probably, you know, Samsonov deserves the number one title starting the season. And then, you know, it's off to the races and see what happens. And even now, you know, you're, you're, you're not talking about one of them playing 65 games uh, in, a, in a perfect world. You're probably, probably talking about one of them playing just under 40 and the other one playing maybe a little bit over 40 if it, if it all were to work out. But I, I would say right off the bat, you know, I, I would I, – I would, make Samsonov the number I would consider him the number one goaltender we're chatting with Gord Stelic. Um, so now that they've uh, opened up this 48-hour buyout window with the Samsonov arbitration, I guess all eyes are on what's going to happen with Matt Murray. We probably will find out in the next couple days. Um, is it uh, is it the end of the road? Is it a buyout? Um, is it uh, LTIR? Like, how would you start to evaluate what opportunity there is in terms of Matt Murray for himself, who says he wants to keep playing and says he's uh, is totally fine or not injured, and how the Maple Leafs should address this uh, big concern cap-wise at least? Yeah, uh, the tough thing, Ailish, about the fact that he was healthy again at the end of the regular season, um, 
Although you saw Shea Weber and Carey Price, you know, play to their final <laughs> playoff game and, and never never hit the ice again. Uh, so I, I think it's I think that's a tougher route. Maybe maybe it's possible, but I think to your point that now that at least okay you, you have a number you have a number for Samsonov, you have your numbers basically in place that you should try and take advantage of that. You know, and again, it gets a little bit more complicated with Ottawa paying a chunk of it and how that all works out. But obviously, uh, it's a it's it's a it's a big break on the cap for a a, a couple of years particularly this year when you're going to be tight. I mean, like I said, next year, maybe this problem won't exist for the Leafs and 31 other teams to the same degree, but I think they have to look hard at that opportunity. Okay, so one thing we were told uh, when Brad Treliving, uh, even before he was officially named general manager, is this is a conversations guy. Likes to chat, likes to pick up the phone, likes to have relationships all over the league. If we are... To believe what we've heard, he's had a conversation with Eric Carlson lately. Uh, the idea of flirting with Eric Carlson, flirting with the acquisition of Eric Carlson, uh, what do you think about when when uh, that comes uh, across your screen, Gord? Is this a good idea to be potentially toying with the idea of bringing Eric Carlson in, or do you think this is just Treliving making phone calls and making sure he knows the price of everything? Well, just that comment, I think we all agree it's a great idea what it entails, okay, that's what you have to try to figure out. I mean, you've got, it's kind of interesting, Kyle Dubas now in Pittsburgh, that's viewed as one of the possible destinations. Carolina seems to be the strongest for everybody right now, but that's viewed as one of them as well. So, uh, again, to make it happen, uh, obviously he's got the experience if you can make it happen and and massage it in to do it. But I I think Eric Carlson certainly showed last year um, there is gas left in the tank and he belongs on a contending team. I mean, that's where he should want to be, and it's a contending team that what a great ad that would be. Again, nobody's been able to do the numbers and make it all work now, but maybe as things go deeper, it becomes a little bit more of a buyer's market. It probably still feels like a pipe dream uh, that Eric Carlson will become a Maple Leaf, uh, at least this summer. Uh, I think, uh, you know, with the amount that they're over the cap, who's already on the roster, what they would have to do in order to make that happen, it does seem far-fetched. But one guy who is in the fold is John Klingberg. And if we're talking about Eric Carlson on top of John Klingberg, on top of Morgan Riley, it doesn't just strike me as like what I expected a Brad Living Defense Corps to look like. So what do you make of the... uh, Construction, Maybe it's the pre-construction because we're not completed yet. But what do you make of what he's put in place here defensively uh, since coming over uh, to the Maple Leafs? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, probably the two, well, two of the, two of the three free agents were forwards. And, of course, Klingberg is uh, somebody, again, I like the one-year contract because he's got to have a better season than he did last year. I think, uh, you know, the, the defense really, by and large, is the, the same as Kyle Dubas left it at, which is, a little bit of an incomplete, like a lot of positives, but a little bit of an, uh, an incomplete when you're trying to compare it to, okay, the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, they have six solid D. You don't need six in the playoffs because you can get away with four. But just, just that kind of depth. And it just seemed like there were, you know, Morgan Riley was, uh, was, was lights out in the playoffs. I mean, Luke Shen was a, a number seven or six guy that was playing in the top four. Whether he could have continued that or not, we don't. Well, I guess we'll never find out. But you know, I, I like you know what I've seen in in whether it's McCabe and Brody and and all the others. But I've also not liked what I've seen at times as well. But then you go back. Well, they couldn't score goals. I mean, that was the problem. So like, it's just all these little things that are still out there that you say, oh, do you know, can can we complete the puzzle if we're talking about doing what Vegas did this last year? Like just whatever these, particularly at playoff time, these particular and a lot of it is depth related. 
can can we get that particular thing covered? Which which Florida seemed to want to do more in the second round than the Maple Leafs did, particularly the first three games. Some of those puzzle pieces are big names like Austin Matthews and William Nylander and uh, the pending contract. So where are you at with, let's start with William Nylander because that one seems to be a bit more uh, hot topic and lots of question marks remain. And maybe he isn't even a part of the starting roster um, on, on opening day. Where are you at with William Nylander and this holdoff that's happening? Well, you know, um, again, obviously that's the one you think he could trade the most uh, of the big four. But uh, I, I think he's going to start the season just on this contract, and he may go to unrestricted free agency. And, you know, if he has that phenomenal season and commands the kind of money that he thinks commensurate with his, with the kind of – and it, it's a funny one because, you know, the, 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 the big four, I mean, he's really had strong seasons. He's had strong playoffs as well, and there's, you know, kind of a gap what he's paid compared to the others. So uh, I, think, I think probably you go through the season – Possibly, and then uh, and then Nylander, whether he resigns here or tests the free agent market, and if you lose a guy for nothing, you still get cap space back. So you never lose somebody for totally nothing anymore because cap space is a value of commodity. I mean, Austin Matthews, the, the the word is supposed to be something like a four-year contract is is in the offing, so he'll become the temporarily the highest-paid player in the NHL until Connor McDavid is up. So, you know, that, that one would become a big distraction if he's not signed by the start of the season, and I expect him to sign sometime over the summer. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. I mean, uh, if every expectation, and that's kind of my expectation as well, if I was just going to hazard a guess, is that William Nylander will start the season without a contract and we'll see where we go. Uh, part of this reporting and part of the discussion around it has been, okay, Austin Matthews is waiting for William Nylander or William Nylander is waiting for Austin Matthews or whatever it may be. So when do you just, if you're Matthews camp, be like, all right, let's just get on with it. Let's sign this deal and let's make sure that I'm not the one people are talking about when training camp begins, I guess, in about seven. Are we doing the countdown yet? I'm not sure what the week countdown is yet. <laughs> no, But no. we're getting closer and closer, Gord. So when do you think they just decide, hey, uh, if it's not happening with Willie, let's get this Matthews thing done because, you know, a lot of the consternation is gone with it. I mean, that was the big thing the doomsday clock was on. Is Austin Matthews going to think differently now that Tre Living's here and Dubas is not? But all that, like, worry has been quelled a little bit. But should it be fully quelled until you sign the deal? And when is this deal just going to get signed already? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know a player ever that left because a general manager left. So, I mean, it's the, the entire situation. So I think Austin Matthews feels the same, whether it's Kyle Dubas and or Brad for living, and it's great if he had a positive relationship with, with, with Kyle Dubas. But, you know, the fact he, he's different. He's the generational player. He could arguably be the greatest Leaf of all time if he stays here and keeps performing at the level, and particularly if they have that kind of team success that's eluded them. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's just – he's the must. He's, he would be the distraction. Nylander, to me, just wouldn't – it wouldn't be a distraction. And that's no disrespect. That's just business. And, you know, he's talking a big number. And right now, if you're the least, because you're, you're looking at big numbers and next year you possibly have to come up with a big number in the summer for Mitch Marner a year in advance, that, you know, you can, you can wait on Nylander a bit and Nylander can wait on you a bit. He's certainly shown before he could be patient. So I don't know how many variables there are really with this Leafs team. I, I think we know what, uh, what and who these guys are for the most part. But I think one that is there is Matthew Nyes. Of course, he had a really, really encouraging run there in the playoffs till he was choke slam, body slam, whatever you want to call it, uh, and missed the rest of the playoffs. I, I think there's like a range of outcomes here for Matthew Nyes. What are you expecting from him in what should be his first full season with the Maple Leafs? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Justin, when he, you know, came up at the end of the season, and I was trying to 
cool the flames about people's expectations because everybody gets pretty excited about, and we've seen it so often about a, a player coming out and, you know, it didn't, doesn't really work out and whatever it may be, man, he really surprised me. He really pleasantly surprised me. So we talked about Joe Wall earlier. I mean, here you got two legitimate NHL players on entry level contracts. So that is huge. I mean, that's giving Brad for living a little bit of relief, trying to, trying to figure this puzzle out. And um, I see him as top six guy, top six guy. Yeah. Like, you know, full on. I, I, I just was impressed and, all facets of his game, his smarts, how we fit in. And um, I, I, and that's something, again, like not just a, a goaltender. We, we haven't had in Toronto, you know, you had all those guys coming at the same time. You think about up front, whether it was Matthews and Marner and Nylander, but you also had Zach Hyman and, you know, Connor Brown. And it looked like Kapanen was going to be one of those guys and on and on. And then nobody's really come up that's stayed, that's had that kind of bite. And, and Matthew Nice gives that. So I think that's a real, real positive upgrade. Last one for you, Gord. Um, Ty Domi and his celebrity following, um, I believe it will probably be pretty thick here in Toronto. Uh, we even saw uh, Post Malone. Like thick is good. Post Malone. <laughs> good. I didn't mean anything by that. Post Malone was here at a concert. He was wearing a Ty Domi jersey. I just feel like there's going to be a lot of hype around this. How much do you think he's going to enjoy watching his son, Max Domi, wear the blue and white this year and maybe even try to get a bet on yourself contract and stay here long term? Well, uh, so I know it's a long time ago, but I was general manager when we drafted Ty Domi in the second round. And uh, um, I got to meet his father who passed away uh, not that long after. Just a really, really, you know, great, great story, you know, coming over, what have you. So I, I got to see the 19-year-old, you know, well, there's never been a humble side of Ty Domi, but you know what, a humbler, you know, side. He's always been a little bit mix of Elvis Presley and Tony Soprano, right? You know, he's, he's, uh, he's uh, he, but, but what the point is, he's always understood what it was like to play in Toronto like make the most of it. I mean, there should be a video for everybody. You know, some people that don't like to play with it. Hey, watch the Ty Domi video, how you can make the most of it. So he's going to, he's going to love it. He'll be up here a lot. And uh, where does he get all these friends? Like, I mean, how can I don't you know, keep, man. like, like Tom Brady and there's Ty Domi. Like, there's it's every, crazy. Like, he's well know, connected. So, yeah. It, was, was that part of the scouting report, Gord? Like this guy is well connected. He's tough, but he's well connected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess in Peterborough back then, I guess he was well-connected around there. But I, I think, uh, you know, in all those one-year contract cases, and Max really kind of salvaged things the last couple of years, particularly mm-hmm. the way he's played in the playoffs. And that's what Leafs are looking for, mm-hmm. you know, people that can upgrade the play in the playoffs. So uh, I, I'll look forward to seeing Ty around. Uh, he is larger than life. Uh, his brother, Dash, really enjoy his brother as well. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll enjoy the Ty the Ty Domi show when he breaks away from Tom Brady and all his other celebs. Oh, yeah. He'll be in the alumni box uh, probably every night with someone new uh, that's a famous celebrity. Gord, we appreciate you coming on this morning. Great to chat. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up down the road, all right? It sounds good. Have a good one, guys. Thanks so much. Gord Stellick, former Maple Leafs GM, co-host of Leafs Nation, and host of Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. We left ourselves two minutes for Awake and Rake. Let's hit it. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money. With Ailish and Justin. Okay, I feel rusty on this uh, one. I wasn't sure we were going to get music on location, I but that just, is Josh is always ready wonderful. to rumble. Um, I'm just strictly going 
Blue Jays life today because we're at the Jays Care Golf Classic. We've seen all the alumni out there. I'm feeling like the, the vibes are high around the Blue Jays, at least from it would, be, it would be wrong not to well, yeah. bet the Toronto Blue Jays tonight, even though it. it's a pretty tough task there at Dodger Stadium. All right. So with that being said, I'm going to go Jose Barrios over five and a half strikeouts. Um He's been pretty good, and uh, I think that he could do that at Dodger Stadium. Let's hope for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we're looking at splits, I think probably a little, little better, better at home. But, uh, I mean, I'm all aboard Jose Barrios. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been so, so good this year, so I'm okay with backing him. I'm just going to take the under. I guess it would be correlated. That makes sense. Just a little bit. Uh, if Jose Barrios has a good showing, it definitely helps the under. Michael Grove on the mound for the Dodgers. Uh, not too familiar with old Grovesy, but... Grovesy. 6.4 ERA. You're not familiar uh, with Grovesy. Rosie, Maybe not the greatest thing in the world, uh, but the Blue Jays can be light hitting at times. I so I'll take at, the under nine and a half. I looked at Grove's stats, and uh, no Blue Jay has faced of... him other than Varsho, who's batting six hundred oh, against might, him. That might not be the best uh, play then. In the no, world, no, it's all good. Um, <laughs> I mean, don't, don't worry about Dalton it. Varsho is not exactly. He's the most batting six hundred. All good. Hitter um, on the Blue Well, Jays. we're gonna go with Corey from Port Hope, who says, "Good morning, welcome back to the show. Have definitely missed you guys. Oh, thanks, man." Um, I'm not sure if you're doing a waking rate today, but if you are, I'm taking Giants money line over the Tigers. Giants are plus money over the Tigers at plus 120. Can't pass up on the number, so let's select that. There you go. And I'm putting that together. So Giants money line under nine and a half of the Jays, Dodgers, and over five and a half at Jose Brio's strikeouts, and that is plus six twenty-five this morning. There you go. That's a good return to the wake and rake. Yes, Beautiful. the wake and rake is back. We need. We're going to need more submissions moving forward. We didn't remind you, yeah, but okay. the guys let us down. I mean, they didn't yeah. do one wake and rake when we were in here. They couldn't have just put some money on something. It's tough. Uh, well, we, we we enjoyed our day today at Rattlesnake Point Golf Club for the 20th annual Jay's Care Golf Classic. Four-hour show, back in the seat. Justin and I uh, got to see some great alumni. We see them here behind these doors where the smell of breakfast is just waiting for us. We are starving. There's a bit of a lunch vibe to that breakfast smell all of a sudden. Oh, they're starting announcements. Perfect time for us to get If we run out of here, soon. we might be able to see the first shots. We're hoping to see some some good golf today and some just some classic legends are here. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll connect with some. And we'll get some we'll, stories we'll, tomorrow. We'll, How about that? We'll get a read on what kind of bacon there is. Yeah, sure. I, I, I'm feeling female today. I got okay. a weird female vibe. <laughs> <laughs> weird people. And I'm seeing Barbie tonight, folks. I'll get the the Barbenheimer experience yeah, will we'll be get, complete. We'll get the Barbie review, and we'll get a review of our little uh, par three experience today yeah, we're at Rattlesnake that. in Milton. I've got to go stretch my lower Very back Very fun. Out. We are looking forward to it. All right. Thanks for listening this morning. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Justin Alish from the Fan Morning Show. Have a great day.